and remind everyone about our Thanksgiving basket. I guess you could call it an outreach if you want to call it that, where we are collecting items to put together in Thanksgiving baskets to be able to bless families who uh, are in need this holiday season. And so you have one more week if you want to stop by. If you feel led to stop by over at Impact Central, you can sign up for the item or items that you want to bring. And we need all of those dropped off here by next Sunday so that on Tuesday night, next Tuesday night, the 21st, another opportunity for you to be involved. Uh, We're going to be getting together and putting all of those baskets together. And every time we get together and do things like that, we always have a good time too. So it's, it's not all work and no play. There'll be some play there too, but uh, we want you to be a part of that so we can get those ready and uh, have those delivered to those families for Thanksgiving. So it's going to be a good thing. We want you to get involved in that. I wanted to remind you about that. And as I just mentioned, we're in a series that we've called Misdirection, where we're looking at some stories in the Bible and some mistakes that were made uh, that we can learn from. Some things that have already happened that we can take some, some knowledge from and we can learn from, so hopefully we can avoid those Or if we've been in that place before, we cannot go back to that place again. And our big idea for this series, if you remember this, is that a smart man learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. I don't know if you were here last week. Many of you probably were. But this is the big idea around this series for four weeks that we're talking about, is smart people learn from your own mistakes. So if I make a mistake, I can learn from my mistake And I can move forward and hopefully not go back and do the same thing over again. But it's even better, something better, is when I can look at what other people have done wrong and not do it wrong on my own. (laughs) When I can see what you've done wrong, or I can, can, you know, if I'm stepping into some new arena or some new area of life or becoming a parent for the first time, you know, I'm going to get with somebody who's a parent, who's got some kids that are a little bit older, and I'm going to say, what did you do that I don't need to do? So that I can learn because I'm trying to be wise. I don't want to make those mistakes and have to go back and correct them or learn from my own mistakes. I would rather learn from your mistakes and then do it right on my own the first time. And I'm pretty sure that most of us feel that way. And last week we talked about making the shift. And the shift we talked about making was from blame to responsibility. Because as in our culture and as people, we have a tendency a lot of times to want to pass the buck on to the next person. We don't want to take responsibility for that. Well, that really wasn't my area anyway. I don't know why I'm really getting reprimanded for that. Well, that's really the boss's job. That's really their job. Well, my kids just don't, you know, when they'll grow out of it, you know, all these things. Well, my spouse just isn't making me happy, right? And we like to blame other people for the things that we're going through in our own lives. But sometimes, we said last week, sometimes it's not other people's fault and sometimes it's not even the devil's fault because we, I think sometimes we give the devil credit and he likes that we give him credit. I, I don't know. But sometimes we give him credit when really we just made a stupid decision. Sometimes we're in the place we're in because we made a bad decision. It wasn't anything that somebody else made us do or that the enemy, you know, came up to you and said, hey, you need to do this and you did it. Sometimes you just made a bad choice and you're in a place where you need to just take responsibility. And the three areas that we talked about last week were taking responsibility for you, me taking responsibility for me, my own actions, my own decisions, taking responsibility for your family. This is my family, and I don't care what you and your family are going to do, but me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. 
We're going to be at church. We're going to serve. We're going to do those things because that's the way I'm taking responsibility for my family. It's not your job to raise my kids. It's my responsibility to raise my kids. It's my responsibility to lead my family. And the third thing we said was to take responsibility for your community or for your city. And how powerful it is when we take responsibility for something rather than casting blame or even talking negatively about it. So what if instead of talking bad about all of those areas of our lives, we just made the decision that I'm going to take responsibility for all of those areas of my life. And when I take responsibility for something, I have a tendency to do whatever it takes to make sure that it turns out the way that it's supposed to turn out. And so that's where we went last week. And today I want to talk to you on this subject. I've called today's message, The Bigger Picture. The Bigger Picture. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I've been through, I was thinking back on some, some circumstances and situations and seasons of life that, that we've gone through as a family, that I've gone through, and I, I'm betting that you're probably in this boat with me, where you thought something was going to be easier than what it was. And somebody told you, and rightfully so, it's just a season. It's just a season. And three years later, you're thinking, I don't think seasons last this long. <laughs> I'm pretty sure every three months or so, the weather changes and the season changes. And so I don't really know that I believe that it's just a season. And I don't know if maybe you've been through, maybe it was something that was supposed to be quick. It was supposed to be an easy transition. It was supposed to be a good thing, and now it doesn't really look like a good thing anymore. Maybe you started with patience and trust in God, but as time went on, your trust and patience began to fade. Come on, you ever been there? You go into a situation or a season, and you've got trust in God and faith in God, and whew, God's going to see me through, and this is going to be awesome, and it might be difficult for just a season, but we're going to see it through, and God's going to get us through it. And now six months later, you're like, I just, I'm kind of losing my patience for what I'm going through, and I don't really know if I, I don't even know if I, if I heard God right, or maybe I miss God, and this isn't where I was really supposed to be, because it doesn't look like the way I thought it was going to look. Or maybe you remember a time when you were really believing that God was going to come through for you, but now you're not so sure. Or maybe you've, you started, anybody ever started a project? Anybody ever started a project? We could all probably raise our hand and say we started a project, but you know where I'm going next. But then you failed to actually complete the project all the way to the end. Come on, do we have any starters? <laughs> you like to start things, but then about halfway through, you kind of lose interest, I'll start something else. <laughs> I started working on that car, and that car's still in the garage, and now I'm working on something else. I started working on my house, but my house got about halfway finished. We were, we were joking when we moved into the house we live in now. Uh, we were doing some painting and things like that, and uh, there were some spots we needed to touch up, and we were like, oh, we'll just go ahead and move in. You know, we started it. We'll go ahead and move in, move all of our stuff in, and as soon as we get in there, we get settled. We'll touch up, you know, a few of those spots where some paint got, you know, on this little corner needs to be fixed or whatever. Can I tell you that those spots are still there? <laughs> because we have a tendency to start things but not persevere all the way through to the end and see it all the way through to where it's fully completed because something happens in the in the middle 
Something happens in the middle. Discouragement happens in the middle. Frustration happens in the middle. Losing your patience happens in the middle. You get your mind on something, you know, it's like we're all just looking for the new thing, and so you, you just go on to the next thing, and you forget about the old thing that you were doing that you really need to go back and finish, but you never finished it because you're just wanting the, the newest thing. I, I saw this post on Facebook that was talking about the iPhone 8, and how everybody's into the iPhone 8 and iPhone X or iPhone 10, I don't know what you call it, but, but <laughs> I saw this post that said, if you really want to know what the iPhone 8 is like before it actually comes out, just take a look at your iPhone 7 and pretend that it costs about $300 more. <laughs> because all of a sudden, when a new phone comes out, and they don't really make that many changes, you know, it's like the camera's a little bit better, okay, you know, I'll, it's, you know, whatever. But we like, we like moving on to the next thing, and all of a sudden, the old thing, we just kind of leave it behind. And we have a tendency to not see things through all the way until the end. I, I found this video uh, this uh, over the last couple of weeks that I want to show you that I, I, I'll i talk about it afterward. For those of you that are sports fans, this is a football video, and, and you might remember this. I told you, I think it was last week, that I'm a big sports fan, and so a lot of stuff, I relate a lot of things to sports somehow. I don't know. It's just, I guess it's a gift. I don't know. But I want you to check out this video real quick, and then we'll talk about it.
So let me give you the background on what just what you just watched. This is in 1993. Now some of you remember 1993, and others maybe not so much. But the Houston Oilers. Now in that that year, they were considered by some to be the best team in the NFL. And of course, they started out the game looking like the best team in the NFL, and we're up 35 to three. Now, if you're familiar with football, you know that fo- if you're up 35 to three, you a lot of times you can pretty much say the game's over. If somebody's up 35 to three, that's going to be a hard task to come back from being down that many points. And I love what. This is one Houston radio personality. He said this statement during the game while the Oilers were up 35-3. to He said, the lights are on here at Rich Stadium. They've been on since this morning. You could pretty much turn them out on the bills right now. So it's about halftime. And you're going into the half. And you're up 35-3. to Come on, anybody remember the Super Bowl last year? It wasn't 35 to 3, but it was pretty close. <laughs> and you're going into the half and you're ahead 35 to 3 and you're feeling pretty good about yourself cuz you started something. Everything seems to be going really good. We're up 35 to 3. We're already thinking about the next team. We're already thinking about the next week. We're already thinking about what's next because we're up 35 to 3. But as we all just watched, the Bills battled back and won the game by a field goal in overtime. And to my knowledge, this still stands as the greatest comeback in NFL history. Down 32 points. Didn't score their first touchdown until eight minutes to go in the third quarter. And fought all the way back to then win the game in overtime when you were down 35-3. to Now I wonder... I just wonder how many of us in our lives have been up 35 to 3 and thought everything, well, I got this. I got this. We just got married. We got this. You ain't got nothing. (laughs) You think you got it? (laughs) I'm up 35 to 3. Everything's going really good. Let's start. We're going to start thinking about. We're going to start thinking about this. Hey, what do we? Let's start thinking about ten years from now. Let's start. Let's start making some plans. Everything's going good. You know what? Let's just kind of. You know, we were we were being intentional about our relationship, and now you know we're up thirty-five to three. So I'm not as intentional about my relationship when I'm up 35 to 3. I needed a job, and God provided a job, and I'm up 35 to 3. Six months goes by, I don't even like this job anyway. I was was up 35, y'all are laughing because you know I'm telling you the truth. I was up 35 to 3. I was I was way up here. And all of a sudden I'm not working as hard as I used to. Well, I've kind of I've I've just kind of arrived. 
you know, I'm just kind of God's gift to everybody around me <laughs> because I'm up 35 to 3. So I'm just going to take my foot off the gas a little bit. Can I tell you what, what happens when you take your foot off of the gas a little bit? You lose in overtime. Even though you might be considered to be the best team in the National Football League, up 35-3. to three. When you don't stick it out until the end and play all 60 minutes, you lose in overtime. Can I tell you there's somebody who's not, <laughs> even though you might think you've arrived and you're up 35-3, to three, there's somebody <laughs> who has never stopped trying to come against you. And let me tell you what happens. Then it becomes 35 to 10. Then it's 35 17. Oh, we're still okay. 35 24. 35 32. Oh, we went for he went for two points and got it, you know, cuz we kind of let our guard down. Now we're down by 3 points trying to kick a field goal to even send the game into overtime. Because we took our foot off the gas and thought, we're, we're, we've arrived. I got the job. I got the girl. I got the guy. We had kids. And everybody knows when you have kids, it fixes everything. And all the single people and newly married people that don't have kids said, what? <laughs> now all of a sudden we're trying to send it into overtime and we're scrounging around and we don't know what happened because we didn't we weren't intentional to see through what God gave you in the beginning. Come on, can I preach this for just a second? <laughs> Because we got up 35 to 3 and God's blessing and I got the new job and I'm making good money and woo, man, everything's going good and life's good and the kids are obeying and man, we just went on a date and we just had a vacation and all this and I'm up 35 to 3 and I begin to relax a little bit and I'm not intentional in those areas of my life and all of a sudden the score starts creeping up, <laughs> creeping up. A little bit closer, a little bit closer, and all of a sudden we're losing the game trying to figure out how we can score to get back in it. Because we're not seeing it through until the end. The subject, it made me think of a man named Moses. Anybody heard of a man named Moses? This is the, this is the man who God spoke to through a burning bush. This is the man who God used to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and out of slavery. They're, they're, they're on their way to the promised land, the place where God has said, this is where you're going to live. This is what's going to happen. This is, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to do all of this stuff. This is the man who is leading the charge for God's people. And God is using him. And now Moses and the Israelites are in between Egypt and the land that God promised them. And I want to read you about four or five verses, and then we're going to talk about it 
for just a few moments, but this is in Numbers chapter 20. You might not have read Numbers because a lot of times that's one of those books that we're like, oh, Genesis, pretty cool, Exodus, all right, Leviticus, whoo, I'm skipping that. <laughs> Numbers, uh, might be getting a little bit better. But this is in Numbers chapter 20, and I want to start in verse 8. God says, get your wooden staff, you and your brother Aaron, gather the people together. Then speak to that rock while everyone is watching. It will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community. Then they and their livestock can drink it. So Moses took the wooden staff from the tent. He did just as the Lord had commanded. He and Aaron gathered the people together in front of the rock. Moses said to them, listen, you who refuse to obey. Come on, you ever said that to your kids? Just me? All right. Do we have to bring water out of this rock again for you? Then Moses raised his arm. He hit the rock twice with his staff. Water poured out, and the people and their livestock drank it. This is not where I'm going today, but isn't it interesting how the, the Bible, when this is being written, it says that Moses hit the rock twice with his staff, and water started to come out when God had said to speak to the rock, and the water will come out. Isn't it interesting how he had to do the work twice as much when he tried to do it his way than when he tried to do it God's way? <laughs> I said, isn't it interesting how when Moses was told what to do and made the decision to do it his way, that he had to do twice as much work as he would have had to have done if he'd have just done it God's way? I don't know if you've ever been there where you've been trying to do things on your own and it's twice as hard as if you'd have just waited on God. <laughs> if you'd have just done what God said, you would probably already be where you needed to be by now. That'll preach, but I'm not preaching that today. Verse 12, but the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. He said, you did not trust in me enough to honor me. You did not honor me as the holy God in front of the people of Israel. So you will not bring this community into the land I am giving them. Now, as I mentioned, this is the second time that God is going to provide water out of a rock for his people. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen that one time, but if I had seen that one time, I might think, you know, I think God can probably handle this if we get thirsty and water can come out of a rock. He's probably got me. <laughs> And I don't have to worry too much. But the first time, God told Moses, you need to hit the rock and water will come out. But in this passage, God says, you need to speak to the rock so that water will come out. Get all the people together and go up to the rock and show them the rock and get up to the rock and just tell the rock that you want water and water will come out of the rock pretty amazing thing. He's pretty obedient. He gets all the people together. They all gather around the rock. And then he makes the decision that he wants to do it his way. I want to give you two mistakes and then a result from this story and what Moses did. Here's number one. You can write this down. He lost his patience with people. He lost his patience 
with people. Have you ever lost your patience with somebody? Have you ever lost your patience with your spouse? (laughs) Have you ever lost your patience with your kids, with your employees, with your boss, (laughs) with your friends, with the people that you're hanging around? Have you ever lost your patience? You might have even lost your patience this morning. I don't know. Kids aren't putting their shoes on. You told them three times, put their shoes on, and your patience is gone. (laughs) So here's, Moses has been listening to God's direction as he's been leading the people, but he gets to this point where he's had all he can pretty much stand. (laughs) And here's what I think Moses was thinking in his mind. I am tired of all the complaining. (laughs) I am sick of all the tattling. I'm tired of all the people trying to get me to do this. And, oh, we need, oh, we've already forgotten what God did. And so we need some more water. And we need some different kind of food. And we need this and we need this. And Moses has been up on the mountain and he's been up on the mountain too long. Come on. He's been up on the mountain too long, so we need somebody else to lead us. We need to, we need, you know, we don't even know, like, can we worship this God? We need some kind of a statue that we can worship. And Moses is getting frustrated with the people. And don't sit here and look like, well, shame on Moses. Because if you'd have been with people for 40 years in the wilderness, and every time God tells you to do something and you do it, and then they start complaining again, you'd probably be a little frustrated too in your own life. So he's frustrated with the people. And instead of following what God told him to do, He lets his frustration and his lack of patience with the people lead him. You ever been led by your lack of patience? Come on, I've seen y'all driving down the road. (laughs) I'm with you. We just got back from a trip, six-hour drive, and you start to lose your patience a little bit with people on the road. You start to believe that you're the only person who can drive, and everybody else is crazy. (laughs) Right? He lost his patience with people. Here's the second thing. He lost his patience with the process. He lost his patience with the process. And I don't know about you, but I've stepped into some process seasons in my life. You step into the process of building a marriage, you step into the process of raising kids. You step into the process of starting something. You step into the process of, of, of whatever it is in your life. And I wonder how many of us have gotten impatient with the process. And I know I've said this before, but a lot of times we get impatient in the process and we feel like we need to help God out. Because apparently God has forgotten what he told you to do, and he needs a little bit of help from you to remind him. And so maybe if you just start doing things your own way and start trying to help move things along a little bit quicker, that maybe God will remember, oh, yeah, I forgot about, oh, yeah, I forgot about them. I need to come, yeah, let's get the process going again. We lose patience with the process. 
the process of relocating to a new city, the process of reading your Bible. You ever lost patience in the process of trying to read your Bible? Just getting practical. The process of learning to trust God with your money. Boy, it just got quiet up in Impact Church. <laughs> the process of trying to, come on, you ever been there and you thought, you know what, I'm going to trust God with my money. I'm to the point now, I'm going to just, mm, I'm going to trust God with my money. And about three weeks in, you're like, I don't know if God knows how to handle my money. <laughs> so I think, I think I might need to just, mm, just take, you know, just take my, you know, I'm just going to keep my money. Uh, I tried trusting God with my money. Come on, it's a process. It's a process. Marriage is a process. A family is a process. Trusting God with your finances and with every area of your life, it's a process. You've got to keep walking in the process. But a lot of times we get impatient with God's process. And I think Moses was becoming frustrated with the process of trusting God to help him lead these people. God, I don't know why it's taking so long to get where we're supposed to go. If we'd already been there, they wouldn't be so frustrated. If we'd already been there, they wouldn't be on my back. If you'd already done what you said you were going to do, it's a process. It's a process. God loves to use the process. And here's what I think we can all agree on this morning. None of us enjoy the process all the time. Some of you are in a process right now and you hate it. You hate it. Can I tell you, if it's what God told you to do, you're just in the process. And there's a little bit of danger when we become impatient in God's process. I'm trying to do everything you're telling me to do. I'm trying to be faithful with what you've given me. I'm reading my Bible, but it's, when is it going to make sense? When am I going to get some, when am I going to understand what the Bible's saying? Can I encourage you today just open it again? Just open it again. There's all kinds of resources that you can use to help understand the Bible and commentaries from pastors and different things on passages that can help you understand the Bible, but it's it's a process. We don't like the process. We want it now. I don't like the process of Netflix having to connect to the internet before it pops up and lets me click on the little face so that I can click on my profile. Right? You turn it on, it's loading, it's connecting to the Wi-Fi or whatever you use. Then you push the Netflix button, and it pops up, and the whole screen says Netflix for about 20 seconds. And then it pops up. It's a process. You're getting, you're, you're, get, you're on the way to what you're wanting, but if you stop just because it's loading, you're not ever going to watch anything. If you stop in the middle, you're not ever going to get the result that you thought you were going to get. It's a process. You're in a process. Here's the third thing. The result of these two mistakes is he lost his reward. 
I don't know if you caught that at the end of the verse. But God comes to Moses and says, <laughs> what you did was pretty cool, but you didn't honor me and you didn't do it the way that I told you to do it. So you're not going to get to take the people into the promised land. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Because he lost patience with the people and he lost patience in God's process. He lost the reward. He lost the thing that all of this was for because he lost patience with people and in the process. I want to give you, we're going to look at a few more verses here this morning. I'm glad I can tell you today that Moses ran out of patience in the process. But aren't you glad that you serve somebody who didn't run out of patience in the process? And I'm going to show you something. But the good news today is that if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're following someone who endured to the end. He didn't stop in the middle. He didn't quit when things got hard. He endured to the very end. Check this out in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, A huge cloud of witnesses is all around us, so let us throw off everything that stands in our way. Let us throw off any sin that holds on to us so tightly let us keep on running the race marked out for us. Let us keep looking to Jesus. He is the author of faith. He also makes it perfect. He paid no attention to the shame of the cross. He suffered there because of the joy he was looking forward to. Then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He put up with the attacks from sinners. So think about him. Then you won't get tired. You won't lose hope. Can you write this down this morning? I believe we have this on the screen. Can you go to that next one? Because Jesus endured to the end, you can endure to the end. I'm going to drive this point home for the next 10 minutes. Because Jesus endured to the end, you can endure to the end. So what is it about Jesus' story that has the power to enable us to endure what we're going through. What is it that Jesus was able to do that Moses didn't do? What did Jesus do that Moses lost sight of in the process? Here's what Jesus did. He lived with the bigger picture in mind. He lived with the bigger picture in mind. The verse that we just read, it says, He paid no attention to the shame of the cross. He suffered there because of the joy he was looking forward to. Then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Moses loses patience with people in the process, loses his reward. Jesus endures to the end, receives his reward. Moses didn't want to see it through the way that God wanted him to see it through. Jesus saw it through the way that God wanted him to see it through, and he received his reward in the end. Jesus didn't focus on his current circumstances. He was focused on the end goal. 
And because he endured to the end, he stepped into his reward. Here's, here's what I know to be true of me, and I believe it to be true of you. And I, I think this will really help you. This has been helping me ever since I, ever since I got this and this idea in my mind. It, it goes like this. Long-term vision enables us to endure short-term circumstances. Long-term vision will enable you to endure short-term circumstances. We could even say it this way. If I want to endure and persevere to the end, I have to know my why. If I want to, to not give up in the middle, I've got to know my why. I've got to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Come on, y'all are quiet. I've got to know, if I want to make it to the end and see it through, I've got to remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. Jesus knew his why. So let me ask you some questions this morning. When your spouse is getting under your skin, do you remember your why? <laughs> when, when your kids are acting crazy, do you remember your why? When you're in the vehicle with your kids for eight hours, do you remember your why? When you're beginning to feel like you need a vacation from your family, do you know your why? Come on, when you're growing weary because you've been praying for something, you've been praying for somebody, and it's been weeks and months and maybe even years, do you know your why? When you're beginning to lose patience in the process, do you remember your why? When you're on the path God called you to and you don't understand it, do you know your why? When you're going through something tough, do you remember your why? Because when I remember why, I married my spouse, it gives me the endurance to see it through. When I remember why I started a family, it gives me the encouragement to stick with it until the very end. When I remember my why. When I remember my why. When I remember why I'm praying for my friend and it enables me to pray one more time. When I remember why I trust God because he's never failed me up to this point and I don't think he's going to start today. When I remember why I trust God, it gives me something. There's something that happens on the inside of you and me when you remember why you're doing what you're doing. Because we have a tendency to get focused on the what and not the why. 
And when Moses got focused on the what, he lost his patience with people and his patience with God's process and God's timing and what God was doing. He forgot the why. He forgot the why. The original reason why God said to do what he was doing. So do you know your why? Do you know your why? Because long-term vision enables us to endure short-term circumstances. I, I love the, the actual, I'm not a big, I'm not going to you know, tell you the Hebrew meaning of words and the Greek meaning of words a lot of time. But I thought this one was pretty cool and cool enough to explain it to you. So I'm going to do my best to explain this. The word for endure that many translations use in Hebrews 12 is actually the word hupomino. And it's a compound word. And the first part of the word means under. And the second part of the word means to stay or to abide. And so this is actually depicting the attitude of a person. Come on, don't miss this. This is depicting the attitude of a person who is under a heavy load but refuses to surrender to defeat because they know they're right where they're supposed to be. To endure means that I'm under a heavy load. This is not easy. Life is not easy. Family is not easy. Work is not easy. Being in unity with people is not easy. But when I remember my why, and I remember that I'm right where I'm supposed to be, then I will stay or abide where I'm at. Even when I'm under a heavy load. When it seems like I can't take any more, I'm going to stay right where I'm at. When it seems like everything's going crazy in the world around me, I'm going to stay right where I'm at. I'm not surrendering to defeat in my life just because I'm under a little bit of a heavy load. I'm seeing it through. It's the picture of someone who knows where he or she is supposed to be and has decided that regardless of what comes against them, they will not be moved. Come on, we just sang a song this morning. We will not be moved when the earth gives way. When everything's going crazy around you, if you've made up your mind that you know your why, then you can stay right where you are and you will not be moved. Come on, do we have any, do we have any, I'm not going to be moved people in the room? Because there's power in making up your mind that you're not going to be moved. No matter what, you got to predetermine that no matter what happens to me, I'm staying the course. No matter what happens to us, we're staying the course. No matter what's going on around me, I'm staying the course. No matter what is breaking out in my life, I'm not going anywhere because I know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And if I get up and leave now, then I'm going to miss out on what God has for me down the road. 
don't lose sight of long-term vision, what you are going toward because of your short-term circumstances. What's going on right now in your life, believe it or not, is a season. It might be a month. It might be a year. It might be five years. But if you stay the course with where God has you, then you will eventually see your reward. I refuse to surrender to sickness. I refuse to surrender to the lies of the enemy. I refuse to surrender to that's just the way it is. That's just, well, that's just the way it is. Well, that's just the way it is. Well, that's just the way it is. I refuse to surrender to that's just the way it is in my life. Because it does not have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. I refuse to surrender to divorce. I refuse to surrender to mediocrity. Because God has called me to live the fullest life possible. He has not called me to be a mediocre Christian and to only scrape by in everything that I do. And so while I'm here on earth, I'm going to give it all I've got and I'm going to do everything that God tells me to do and I'm going to live my life for Him in every area because I refuse to surrender to defeat. I refuse to surrender to defeat, to discouragement. I'm living with the bigger picture in mind. I want to invite the worship team back up. I'm looking ahead to what God has promised me. I'm not focused on what storm is surrounding me. No matter what comes my way, I am enduring until the end. So here's my first question as we wrap it up this morning. Do you think it would help you personally if you knew your why? I just want you to think about it. If you sat here today and you you remembered why you originally did that, why you originally got married, why you originally fell in love, why you originally had kids, why you originally took that job, why you originally started following Jesus, why you originally took this career path, why you originally did what you're doing. If you remember your why, do you think that it would help you? Do you think that it would change your perspective on what's going on around you if you remembered your why? And here's the second question. What do you need to change to get back on the path God has for you? What do you need to do to get back in the game, to get refocused? Maybe you've lost your patience. Maybe you've, you, you're getting sick of God's process. Maybe you've tried to do it on your own. I don't know what it is for you, but what do you need to do to get back on the path that God has for you? What do you need to do to get back in alignment with God's will for your life. Because here's the truth this morning, and I want to leave you with this, and then we're going to pray. I want you to stand to your feet. No matter what your short-term circumstances are, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you don't hear anything else today, 
no matter what your short-term circumstance is, you can do all things. Come on, this is what Paul was talking about. I've learned how to I've learned how to endure when I'm hungry. I've learned how to make it through when I have a lot. I've learned how to to be joyful in prison. When I'm being punished for something I didn't do. And I've learned how to be joyful when everything's going great in my life. I've learned how to see things through when we're fighting. And I've learned how to see things through when everybody's getting along. I've learned how to see things through when all hell is breaking out in my life. And I've learned how to see things through when everything is perfect. No matter what your short-term circumstance is, because it is short-term. It may not feel short-term when you're in it, but it's short-term. And no matter what that is, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Not by you trying to make it through. Not by you trying to figure it out. But through the strength that He gives you. God, I thank you for your word today. And Lord, right now I pray that it, they would not just be words on a screen or on a page or that we've heard, but God, that it would be something we would apply to our lives. Because I believe there are so many of us that we lose sight so many times of why we're doing what we're doing. Why we are where we are. Why we originally stepped out in faith in the first place. Why we originally stepped into that situation in the first place. And God, I just pray right now over every person that's here, would you just remind us of our why? Would you just remind us right now as we're standing here, would you just remind us of why we did what we did in the first place? Remind us of our why. Remind us of the end goal. Because when we're focused on the end goal, we can endure whatever's going on right now. And God, I pray as we sing this last song, I want to invite our prayer team to come down. As we sing this last song, I pray that there would be a transformation that would happen in every heart in here today. That we would move from our focus on our circumstance to focusing on our why. That we would move from frustration with the process to, to long-term vision in what you have for our lives in the end. God, I pray that there would be a shift that would take place in this room today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.